Hello and welcome to the Cafe Bitcoin podcast, brought to you by Swan Bitcoin, the best way to buy and learn about Bitcoin. I'm your host, Alex Danzig, and we're excited to announce that we're bringing the Cafe Bitcoin conversation from Twitter Spaces to you on this show, the Cafe Bitcoin podcast, Monday through Friday, every week. Join us as we speak to guests like Michael Saylor, Lynn Alden, Corey Clipston, Greg Foss, Tomer Strolight, and many others in the Bitcoin space. Also, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Make sure you get notifications when we launch a new episode. You can join us live on Twitter Spaces Monday through Friday, starting at 7 a.m. Pacific and 10 a.m. Eastern every morning to become part of the conversation yourself. Thanks again. We look forward to bringing you the best Bitcoin content daily here on the Cafe Bitcoin Podcast. All right, all right. Good morning and welcome to all of you Cafe Bitcoiners. It is Wednesday, November 22nd, 2023, and we have another great day in Bitcoin today. This has been a crazy eventful week over the weekend. As some of you may already know, Javier Mille won the presidential race in Argentina. He's the first, as far as I know, libertarian candidate to win the presidency of any nation in the history of mankind. That's an interesting deal. Also, uh, as many of you know, Kraken got charged by the SEC with lots of stuff. And today, uh, or yesterday, it's been the last 48 hours or so, more news is coming out in regards to Binance and their situation. So we're going to be talking about all that today. I want to say good morning to Michelle, John, Mickey, Terrence. Peter, Dom Bay, good morning to all of you guys. Proof of Ink out in the audience. Wade out in the audience. Macro throwing you an invite. Tomer throwing you an invite. Of course, welcome to all the Cafe Bitcoin regulars. Wow, wild times we do live in. Good morning, Alex. I think it's pronounced Binance. It's Binance. I believe it's I, I believe it's Binance. Binance. Did you Binance that properly? <laughs> oh, John, dude, coming out of the ocean right there with a little zinger. I love that. What's up, you guys? Good to see Good you. Good morning. Good morning. John, are you Mayor of Libertad yet? Nah, they're they're trying to force me into the chair, but I had to leave, man. They, I, it's too much, too much too soon. You know, I got to pace myself there. Yeah, I just got back from got got back stateside from forty days and forty nights in El Salvador. So it was uh, quite the journey. Forty days and forty nights. That sounds biblical. <laughs> Why is it always 40 days and 40 nights in the Bible? I don't know. It seems significant, though. Read into it what you will, Alex. Any uh, welcome back? Any highlights you can share? Non-surfing, please. Non-surfing highlights? No, those wouldn't be highlights, would they? Oh man, were you out there ripping every day? So, were you were you ripping daily? Yeah, that was probably the most uh, 
the longest period of time, like to where I've surfed the most consecutive days that I've surfed, probably I didn't surf every single day, but, um, you know, many, the first couple weeks, it was so good that we were doing two or three sessions a day. Um, and yeah, it was absolutely just, uh, it's a beautiful country. It's, it's got, um, it's just so refreshing to be in a place where you have, the people are really hopeful for the future. They're excited uh, where you have the government, like just absolutely um, really interested in welcoming businesses there. Uh, and obviously Bitcoin, giving Bitcoin to the people, you know, and ha just having Bitcoin be front and center everywhere you um, not necessarily every, everywhere you go, but it's, it's just such a main, such a big aspect of, of their country now, because it's, uh, it's a key component of the amount of change that's been able to happen over the last two years. Uh, uh so it was a privilege to be able to go and, you know, see for myself and explore, everything that's everything that's been happening talk to a lot of people talk to a lot of locals talk to a lot of expats uh who have moved there for the freedom I, I met so many canadians who came down during the lockdowns and and just stayed down there um you know because of just how how directly uh you have kind of the two poles of leadership there from from uh canada to el salvador so John, while you were down there, did you find any expats that were trying to escape the Patriot Act, but then they got down there and they're like, what was I running from? You know what I mean? Yeah, what was I running from? In fact, it's not the Patriot Act, it's the Freedom Act, because the Patriot Act did sunset, and the Freedom Act is what replaced it. The Bank Secrecy Act also, don't forget that one. I apologize for screaming about the the Patriot Act when I should not have been. I should have been screaming about the Freedom Act. Uh, and um, I have self-castigated. If anybody wants to pile on, feel free. My DMs are open. Peter, I, I err on the side of forgiveness, man. So, so no, uh, no hard feelings over oh, here. Is is just a, uh, a dressed-up version that is a little more palatable than the Patriot Act was. Um, they, they imply that they have some checks and balances to stop some of the overreach, but um, if you read it closely, most of the ability for the um, three-letter agencies uh, and the authoritative bureaucrats to impose unlegislated um, uh, policy that becomes law, like what FinCEN is doing um, with uh, uh, custodial wallets and, and other other kinds of activities. Um, it's it's all still available to the, to the agency and the Still, they're still impinging upon our civil liberties uh, and our constitutional rights. Oh. All right. 
I think what John said, I just want to second what John said. I didn't spend 40 days there, but I was there for about 10 days. And it was so refreshing and just exciting to be in a place where you are surrounded by people who are full of hope and looking forward, not backwards or stuck in place because they're so miserable and broke. Even, you know, it's not it's not that all of them are wealthy, but they are optimistic and excited about building. So it really is an incredible place right now. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's not just like all good feelings either. Like you, there's real opportunity there. Um, and people are making, people are setting themselves up to make great fortunes uh and you know it's one of one of the i guess main takeaways i guess for me as well was seeing how i i I think in el salvador you're just kind of you're witnessing what um what bitcoin is capable of doing uh and one of the things that i think bitcoin does really well is it's gathering um like-minded people who care about freedom and connecting them on on this social network and that oh sorry my dog was just doing something i didn't want him to do um <laughs> and connect it, it's connecting people on this social network and in um in el salvador you, you're they're all coming together in this beautiful place, especially in Surf City with in El Zante and um, all, the, all the kind of surrounding towns down there. Um, and this environment just, since it's like good weather all the time, there's all these activities, uh, it's enabling uh, this community formation that's really powerful. Like you have... A weekly farmers market going on every Sunday, you know, in El Zante, where uh, some locals, some expats, they're all kind of like having their own little businesses, uh, selling. Like I, I bought some scrunchie, <laughs> scrunchies, and animal-based soap and coffee, uh, meats, like pretty much everything you need for the week. You can get at this little farmers market. And it's all in Bitcoin, um, but then you're connecting with those people who are doing those things and and offering value to their to their um, to their neighbors and everything. And that uh, that's like just the natural to me. That's showing how we can kind of go back to this natural state of ours, uh, where we life is a little more simple. We're we're immersed in nature. We're going. Whether we're surfing, we're hiking, we're we're being, we're getting sunlight, <laughs> and and then we're befriending people. We're entering into into more relationships and and just living life together. So that was my that was a big takeaway for me is just witnessing how uh, you can really simplify things and and live life together, and then within that space, dream up. Uh, what a what a future could look like. What what kinds of uh, act, 
activities you could do? How, how do we propagate Bitcoin adoption even further? And I think we came up with a lot of really good, um, really good concepts there, especially at the Swan House. Oh, sounds fantastic. Maybe it's like a little glimpse of the future, right? Like we get to be humans again. Get off of that hamster wheel. Get off of the fiat, inflation-induced, ridiculous lives that we lead now and just get back to being humans. How cool would that be? And a little bit of a glimpse into the past, too, in a way, uh, to, to kind of like just a simpler times of just trading value for value. Yes, someone described it to me as post-revolutionary war United States. Yeah, I I just had, I got to have breakfast with Jack Cruz on Sunday, and that was an absolute privilege. That guy's an animal and a savage. He's amazing. Uh, But he he was... uh, I don't know if you saw some of the shorts that came out of that, or we did a couple of podcasts. Uh, I recorded like a seven minute conversation with him that I'm going to, I'm going to post today. And one of the things that he said was like, he's at, at breakfast, he was comparing Bukele to uh, George Washington. <laughs> he's saying Bukele is George Washington on steroids. And uh, he's basically saying like George Washington and and the federalists and and the the revolutionaries granted they fought for freedom for uh for the americas and independence um but bukele kind of recognizes that money is is really the true source of oppression now and whether it's Bukele or anyone else, like most Bitcoiners, that's that's what we're recognizing, right? And so this is the new revolution, and where it's we're returning money, um, the freedom of money, back to the people. And so I, I, I do think, like, I, I really do try to take any politician's words with a grain of salt, and and try to verify and and do do my due diligence as, as best as possible but it really does seem as though you know Bukele's giving bitcoin to the people and whether they recognize it or not and and it's not implemented you know perfectly uh there's a lot of work to be done but um bitcoin hopefully will do its i, I think is doing its thing and the adoption is spreading so it's a it's a powerful thing to watch. It's exciting. It's hard not to, you know, get excited about it and, and feel the contagion when you're down there. It's a powerful message of hope. All right. We got to do a couple quick housekeeping items and then we'll keep rolling here. So we are doing a show for only one hour today. We will be doing that all week this week. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving Day in the Americas. We will be doing a one-hour show tomorrow as well. Today's show is is Cafe Bitcoin episode 482. Um, and we will be in keeping with our with our tradition. Some people say, well, why the heck are you doing shows on holidays and stuff like that? And the reason is 
not everybody's got a fam to enjoy the holidays with, and we become the fam. So I just want you all to know we're here for you. Uh, some crazy stuff has gone down in regards to Binance. Um, so on CNBC, basically, uh, they were covering this, and the, the way they framed it is another crypto industry titan has been hit with criminal charges. The conclusion of a three-year Department of Justice investigation into crypto billionaire CZ and the crypto exchange he founded Binance. Binance has agreed to pay a $4.3 billion fine. That is the largest in United States history, according to the U.S. Treasury Department. CZ is paying a personal fine of $50 million. He's stepping down from uh, leading Binance. My understanding is he still needs to keep his ownership of the company, but he'll no longer be leading it. And uh, so, wild times. Does anybody have any thoughts or comments on this situation? Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering, why is it that we keep hearing about these record fines and they keep being even higher record fines i wonder how i wonder where that comes from i wonder why that works like that are we getting inflation in fines i don't know yeah, i just like i'm waiting for them to find somebody a low amount of money and then and then use that as evidence that inflation is under control but right now yeah the the, the inflation is rampant on on the size of fines that companies are paying i mean imagine paying $4.3 billion in fine. And that includes apparently a discount. They provided a nice discount for cooperation, they said. Were you asking the question in jest, or did you want an answer? So, Both. I think that three-year timeline is key, because I heard, I mean, I've been seeing a lot of stuff about conspiracies, like, oh, SEC, DOJ, they're, they're conspiring to, like, kill Binance before the, the ETF or something, but According to what you just said, the investi investigation has been going on for three years. So I, I found that interesting and, and sort of in line with my experiences with how long stuff takes. Well, if it's a DOJ mm -hmm. investigation, and Terrence, I'm, I am going to ask you to weigh in on this in a second. If it's a DOJ investigation, they have an incredible uh, win rate record. Like the DOJ does not typically uh, level charges, I think, unless they really, really think they're going to win. Um, and like the, the conviction rate or the win rate in, in what they're doing is extremely high, which means they don't take chances, right? They, they, they basically want to make sure that they've got the goods. And um, no, it doesn't mean they don't take chances. It means that the, everything is stacked in their favor. They're, they're the U.S. government, for God's sakes. You don't think that they can't very, squash somebody if they want to? Come on, Peter. That's very tinfoil hatty of you. Uh, the fact is, is that some agencies are aggressive in the number of cases that they charge or the number of cases that they bring, and others are not so. The number of cases is lower, and uh, the win rate is higher. So there's there's real things going on here in regards to that. I'll let Terrence speak to that. He's the expert in this area. But uh, Terrence, do you have any thoughts here? I agree with Alex. Um, but there, to Peter's point, there is the decks are stacked, right? It's a big advantage, as we know from psychology, for whoever to for 
one side to go first. And the government always goes first because they're the prosecution and they lay out their case and they tell their story and call up their witnesses. And so as a defense lawyer, and I've talked to these uh, folks who have worked both sides or one side or the other in these criminal um, cases, DOJ or against defending against the DOJ, you really want all you can do really as uh, defense is you're just trying to cast doubt and on the uh, government's case and the government's witnesses. Doesn't sometimes we try to Terrence, skip it. Oh, oh, Peter, Peter, Peter also, Skipper. Hold on. Doesn't the government also tend to overcharge with the idea that they're going to be able to get a um, a settlement? Yeah, by the time they charge, I think they do that. But it also can look stupid if they charge you with 500 charges and only win on one because there was only evidence on one, right? Or only sufficient evidence on one. Well, here, um, here's the thing. In this particular case, right, CZ has agreed to step down as the as the head of Binance, 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 whatever you want to call it. He's agreed to pay a personal fine of $50 million and he's pleading guilty. This is a plea bargain that has been that has been they have struck a deal. 4.3 billion dollar fine, largest in history, and CZ is paying a 50 million dollar fine himself and he's pled guilty, which means they basically put him in a room and said this is all the evidence we've got. We can put you away for 84 billion years. Are you going to cooperate or not? Yes. And just to go back to Alex, your point about the DOJ having a very high win rate, um, I think they're too conservative. If they were not so conservative and careful, more criminals would be going to jail and prison and not getting away with the stuff they're doing. The fact that they tend to wait until there's overwhelming evidence and not prosecute until they have that and have such a high success rate means I feel they're under-prosecuting. I'd rather see them move more towards what the current SEC is doing. Not that I like seeing the SEC lose, but maybe they deserved it against uh, Ripple. Um, I think their arguments were not that good based on what I could see. But, you know, I wasn't in the courtroom and, and the, all the sidebar conversations that lawyers have with judges that we, the public, don't get to see. So. Um, you really want, I think, um, more robust um, or more aggressive actions by the DOJ, in my opinion. Um, the SEC has been aggressive. The evidence is that they've been losing. You could also say that they've been less competent and not had good arguments. So that I think that would be fair, too. But it's kind of a mix of both. If the SEC did what the DOJ did and only waited until there was overwhelming evidence for, for civil, like they were quite sure and reasonably quite sure that they could win their civil case, which is a uh, you know, lower standard than um, beyond a reasonable doubt, then they would be winning much more often and maybe have fewer cases against crypto companies. All right. Uh, Michelle, I saw that you had your hand up. We'll go with you in one second. We've got about seven minutes left before we're going to be shifting gears here. This morning, we have Brady Swenson, Brandon Quidham, and someone else, I wish Jacob would tell me, joining us. 
here shortly. Oh, Nick Payton. Thank you very much. I appreciate that greatly. Um, we're going to be doing this new thing uh, where Swan and these folks and Natalie Brunel and others have created uh, this thing called Welcome to Bitcoin just in time to help you orange pill your relatives on Thanksgiving because, you know, I know they all told you, whatever we do this Thanksgiving, please don't talk about Bitcoin. And then, you know the meme, two drinks in and it's on, like Donkey Kong. So um, six minutes left before we switch gears here. One thing I did want to um, ask you guys for thoughts on is – does this thing with Binance, is it good for Bitcoin? Is it bad for Bitcoin? Does it not matter? What do you guys think? I will say that I think it's important to remember, unfortunately, that these people are normies and that most of them really don't understand the difference between Bitcoin and crypto. So largely, when they say crypto, they're including Bitcoin in that. And so I think ultimately Bitcoin will win in the sense that it's going to break away and more and more people will understand the distinction from Bitcoin and crypto. We see that happening with the mainstream media largely due to, you know, the Bitcoin community and its efforts. Um, but what I, I wanted to say about the CZ thing, and I'll be quick, I think one thing that's very alarming to me is the language, how much of the language that they used in that press release that was just word for word from that Wall Street Journal article. And I think it's very alarming. They're clearly trying to create a narrative and they're not going to let it go, whether it's factual and honest or not. Obviously, Binance was not operating on the up and up and, you know, they're going to settle for those. But don't let that sort of distract you from the fact that the government has an agenda. And it's very clear if you watch the language they're using. Michelle, are you talking about the Wall Street Journal article that came out um, a couple weeks ago, shortly after the Hamas attack on Israel about how... Um, Yes, I, I am the one that yeah. Sam Callahan wrote like a yeah, yeah. a reboot against that. And I I tagged him last night. I was hoping that he would look at the press conference. Um, I don't know if there's a transcript of it anywhere, but it'd be really great to see someone write a similar rebuke to a lot of the things that they said last night, kind of point by point, um, because they're using a lot of the same language that was in that Wall Street Journal article. Yes. Yeah, so two things. Uh, one is, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the government, and maybe this is what you're implying, Michelle, if the government or the powers that be, they leaked certain things to the Wall Street Journal to paint a picture. So that story got printed in the first place a couple of weeks ago. And then number two, um, I do think that there might be more evidence that has come out against Binance and others of, um, you know, higher levels of terrorist financing by Binance, I mean Binance, um, because of, you know, that the numbers are higher than the half million dollars or, or whatever that was originally sort of proven, not the $100 million or $92 million, whatever the specific amounts were allegedly before in the original Wall Street Journal article. 
Jump in here, folks. Peter, I'll go if you're going to – I would just say real quickly, one of my takes from the, the links with the, you know, criminal terrorist activity is, is unlike with FTX, you didn't have as much of a victim with Binance, right? Um, you know, no massive loss of funds, um, and they needed a villain there. And I think that's why they touted that so much, right? Like, why are we doing what we're doing? Um, surely it's not because of some hidden agenda where we're trying to, you know, take down a major player. <clears throat> There's some criminal activity that they supported and, and they, they really needed to create that villain and a victim there, whoever the victims of the crimes are, because unlike FTX, you didn't have, um, you know, this massive public loss of money. If if anybody think you know CZ's um, pro, uh, not projected CZ's estimated wealth personal wealth is ten point two billion dollars. If anybody thinks that a fifty million dollar when you have ten point two billion dollars in wealth, fifty million doesn't look so bad to to stay out of jail. Or to settle. And the other thing is, if you think that this man who has who has operated this illegal criminal entity called Binance is going to stop pulling strings behind the scene just because he's not the CEO anymore. Come on. Let's 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 be real about this. I think the DOJ had limited um, options, given the political pressure by Senator Lummis and others to for them to act fast on Binance instead of, you know, dithering and just make a decision. And also they um, can't extradite CZ because he's in Dubai, non-extradition country. So they had sort of some limited options. And I think the DOJ did a pretty good job in getting what was sort of best for them because much of the $4.3 billion fines goes to the DOJ. It goes to FinCEN, but then FinCEN reallocates some of that. So some of, uh, much of that is going to the DOJ itself. Yes. And they did get a um, political victory and sort of a legal victory to cut down Binance to size, cleaning up crypto, this sort of op Operation Choke Point 2.0 being very real and just starting to choke off um, potentially tether as the next step. We'll see what happens because there's five years of monitoring. And if you have an aggressive monitor and they have to turn over, you know, more evidence of crimes as they sort of do a self investigation or whatever, then that could hurt tether, which is what I think some people in government really want. So, but I think that all this is going to be, great for Bitcoin long-term. I'm tired of, I think it's terrible for Bitcoin to be associated with crypto and all these uh, digital asset, digital penny stock casinos like Binance and FTX. And so hopefully we'll have players come in to fill a void. Maybe a Bitcoin only company will fill that void. Maybe Swan, maybe somebody else. But I think it's much better long-term for Bitcoin to be to create separation from all these altcoins and altcoins to hopefully continue to have a terrible reputation, but just increased awareness now that crypto is terrible 
Hey, it's hey, really hey Terrence, what, what do you think is in the best interest of the DOJ, or what do you, what do you think their goal is ultimately with more with this? power? I mean, like it cynically, right? So I I know people who work there, and they're good people. They're just misguided, right? Overly authoritarian, etc. But they really believe in what they're doing. They're mission driven. They could make a lot more at Davis Polk as a partner, making five million a year, two million a year. But they're working government. They're getting, you know. Government salaries are good salaries, they're good jobs, right? Very prestigious, very competitive. But in terms of the individual actors at the DOJ, many are mission-driven. However, the people at the top are political animals and the DOJ itself, right? It's a entity, it's a three-letter agency, and their interest is more power and more money. And they're getting both with these um, high-profile settlements and, and prosecutions. But yeah, I, I think if they see crime, they're just going to go after it. If they, especially if they can get the resources and it's high profile enough that it justifies a bigger budget, so they're going to focus on you know higher profile big crimes and big enchiladas, so to speak, like CZ and Binance. I mean Binance. Um, they'll, they'll keep doing that. I think Tether's pretty big feather in their cap. If they can take down Tether, that would be massive. Okay. So we could probably keep digging into that subject for a while. However, we do have a one-hour show today, and we have some really important stuff to announce. Speaking of big enchiladas, we've got Brandon Quidham, who has joined us this this morning. Good morning, Brandon. <laughs> What's up, guys? How are we doing? What's up, my man? Uh, we've also got Nick Payton joining us. Good morning, Nick. How are you? Hey, good morning, Alex. Good morning, everybody. Doing great. All right, so uh, I know that you guys have concocted this amazing new thing to help people uh, this holiday season to uh, orange pill their relatives. Let's dig in. Let's do it. Um, all right, I'll, fr- I'll frame this up kind of what, where, why, how, where did this come from? Um, you see a tweet up in the nest. We launched a new course. It's free. It's one hour. Uh, it's very easy to grasp, beginner-friendly, all that kind of stuff. Um, but this stems from a problem I see in the greater, broader Bitcoin space, which is that most of us, at least on Bitcoin Twitter, we're so far down the rabbit hole and we have all these assumptions baked in. We spent so much time studying that when we communicate Bitcoin to, let's say, more normal people, they glaze over. We sound crazy. We look like Charlie from Always Sunny and uh, that meme. And so... In that type of world, we're not doing ourselves a good service uh, onboarding our friends and family if we scare them away right away. And so I think part of the launch in my mind is sort of a call to arms to have us all start creating more noob-friendly content. Feels like we're knocking on the door of another bull market. And we, yeah, we want to control the narrative around Bitcoin that it is for everyone. It's the biggest tent. You don't necessarily have to be a... a carnivore blah 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 all the cultural attachments we have with bitcoin you can just be a normal person who wants to save a little bit of money um and so that that's my sort of called arms for everyone is let's all start doing that a bit more the shitcoiners do a better job than we do on this to be honest um maybe because they don't know much about bitcoin than everyone down the rabbit hole i don't know what the answer is but that that's one thing here uh, another thing, Thanksgiving's this week, of course, so share this one around. Uh, and by the way, this is new. We want your guys' feedback. No one on this call, I would assume, is even the right person for this. 
but we want your guys' support. We want your feedback so you can start, uh, so we can edit the course first of all and make sure it's good. But also, yeah, this thing wins if the existing Bitcoiners share it with a couple friends and you know use it in your orange peeling toolkit. Um, the last thing I want to talk about is just a broader, another broad point about Bitcoin adoption. Then I'll pass to Nick, who uh, drove the project and give a little bit more of the specifics. But um, I see Bitcoin adoption in a in a shape. I, I see this visualization in my mind, and it, it's a sphere. So each cycle, the sphere gets larger, right? In the beginning, uh, the sphere of people who could potentially adopt Bitcoin is so small. It's the people on the cryptography mailing list. It's the weird internet people. Um, that's pretty much it. They adopt it very early because it's some weird toy for them, intellectual curiosity. But the average person would never even hear about it, let alone know someone involved. Okay, so small sphere. Then the next cycle, the sphere gets a little bit larger. Price goes up again. More people come in. This time we have some libertarians. We have some early adopters and various other things. The sphere gets larger. And again, the larger the surface area of the sphere, that sort of sets the ceiling of adoption for that next wave. Okay, then we hit 2017. I'll call that um, relatively normal people, maybe one foot in the matrix, one foot out. Um, they start piling in, myself included. Now, all of a sudden, we're on the news, we're talking about it, normal people are hearing about it, but still, most people aren't ready for this thing. Uh, last cycle, COVID helped, In inflation's everywhere, everybody's looking around, the world's going crazy. Okay, that makes orange peeling a little bit easier. Again, the sphere gets larger. And so I think, I think that's where we are now. We have a very large surface area where we all know one person or anyone who doesn't own Bitcoin in the US, they know someone who does. And so I think we have a really big opportunity to uh, really, really, really hit the mainstream, at least have them get their first sats. And this all stems from the theory that Bitcoin is weird and a little bit scary, and most people don't have much time to think. So we outsource our trust and we outsource our thinking to someone in our social group that we, uh, that we believe makes good decisions for us. And that's an evolutionary trait in my belief. We do that because thinking's expensive. And it's easier for us to outsource that stuff. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of the point of the course is we're trying to make it easy. And we're all, we're all delivering the orange pills in this easy to understand one hour vehicle. And we're hoping that this is a good, a good piece of content in that noob friendly category. And we hope to uh, get some support from you guys. Nick, you want to add anything? Yeah, thanks, Brandon. That was a perfect summary. Um, <clears throat> yeah, you said that well. So uh, thanks again, everyone. Like Brandon said, we probably not for this target market, but if we're going to actually have Bitcoin um, spread adoption, we need Bitcoiners to spread the word. And like Brandon had said, it can be a little intimidating for the newbie. Um, we all know that it can take tens, hundreds of hours to actually get your arms around Bitcoin. And there's lots of podcasts out there. You don't know which one to start with. And then even when you're having individual conversations, let's say over Thanksgiving or, or just with friends and family in another setting, you never know what angle to start with to convince some of your friends and family that they need Bitcoin, whether that's number go up like moon, like going to the moon, or is it the ideological principles of Bitcoin and the actual monetary problems that they're solving? Or, you know, or is it uh, or is it the Bitcoin energy uh, FUD that we're trying to bust? All those good things are, are really hard to know what is going to appeal to individuals. So I think that the problem that Bitcoin has is we need a quick 
and easy way to be able to orange pill people and then give them more resources to go further down the rabbit hole and orange pill them over time. And really, that's what this course was built to do. So in one hour, we touch on, and Natalie's the host, um, we touch on all the major topics of Bitcoin. So we start with an overview. We get into the investment thesis. We do, that's in unit two. Unit three is like FUD busting, fact versus fiction. Unit four is a bright orange future. What does the future look like when Bitcoin is adopted as the core monetary principle of humanity? Uh, unit five is a personal story from Natalie, just touching on how she was orange pilled, how her, fr- her family was affected during the great financial crisis. Um, and then we go over key concepts. And then in unit six, we talk about what Bitcoin is for freedom money, and then actually how to take self-custody of it, whether that's through a hot wallet. Obviously, there's also hard hardware, cold storage wallets. So we go into all of that. And the goal here is really in one hour to get people very interested in understanding Bitcoin to where they're actually like, huh, not just blowing it off as, you know, as another crypto. I've, I've heard on this call already, it was talking Bitcoin versus crypto. That's a major topic that we discuss as well, making sure people understand the difference there. And then and then just really just get them started down the rabbit hole and make them understand in a clear and concise way why they need to adopt this this transformative technology. Well said, Nick. Well said. Um, rather than go through the course and just hammer it, you guys heard the spiel. I would love to hear if you guys have any thoughts on orange pilling people more generally or if you have any questions or how come you just as a community rather than just hammer the course. What do we think? You know, Brandon, with Thanksgiving coming up, if you're hosting, is it wise to have the course queued up on the family room television and tell people between, you know, we'll watch the first lesson before anyone gets any food. And then if you want the first course, you'll have to answer questions to show demonstrate you paid attention. And you, it sounds like you can get through the whole course by dessert. Yeah, exactly. I, I recommend... Um putting seatbelts on your couch and just locking everyone on the couch. You're not allowed to eat until you watch the Bitcoin information. And you can test people. Like you're putting out food. Some food in Thanksgiving is pretty orange. If you've got butternut squash or pumpkin soup or or whatnot, uh, people who reach for the orange food are are obviously moving in the right direction. Yeah, just give them a small uh, homework assignment after too, like a a small 21-page essay or get through all of breed love and sailors series before bedtime, something, something light. <laughs> and you if you can give them the quiz that Max Kaiser gave to Alex Jones, but you know, without the pro- promise of 10,000 bitcoins. <laughs> and if you don't have seatbelts installed on your couch yet, um, uh, the way also to that we're thinking about this is the, the link is really easy. So we're hoping that it becomes very easy to just pass off to people in conversation, swan.com slash welcome. And it's really simple. Like if you're sitting around on the couch, for example, and I know we were joking there, but like wherever you are, it could be really simple. If someone asks, oh, what's about, how's that Bitcoin thing going? Or, or, you know, however the conversation starts, it's really easy to drop a little nugget of what could get them interested from a personal relationship, but then just say, do me a favor, go to swan.com slash welcome. I guarantee you in an hour, you're going to understand why I'm such a believer in Bitcoin. And then if you have any questions after that, happy to talk through it. But I really suggest you start there. It's going to change your life. And, and then really just tease it and, and, and then let them go from there. And then try and try and walk with them after they've gone through the course and give them further education. Um, so anyway, just wanted to drop that nugget. Love it. So, Stay on. So, What's up? 
Yes. First, I wanted to say, you know, you should be sure to bring up Bitcoin at Thanksgiving because it's going to save you a lot of money on Christmas gifts. Ha ha. Um, anyways, uh, my so I, I guess the idea of this thing is to really kind of take the pressure off of the Bitcoiner to answer questions and divert it to this this resource. And I was going to say that I think that's a great idea because I, when I watch people orange pill, the, the, the biggest problem I see is that we are so passionate about Bitcoin and a question is asked. And these questions are just like, they're so open-ended and there's so much information that a Bitcoiner wants to give this in. Peter, your internet is horrible today. Oh man, I liked where you was going with that. Cut out? Yeah. In my back? Yeah. Okay. Does part of the education that you guys are promoting um, educate the Bitcoiner on how to not use a fire hose when answering questions? That's a great question. Um, the answer is no. Um, let's see. Do you guys know BTC Minstrel? I'm sure you do. He does the, the shanties. He's, he's creating a brand podcast, maybe a course. I don't know what it all come out of this. But he's building what he calls Orange Pill Academy on that. And it's sort of like sales training slash organizational training, psychology, all, all that kind of wrapped up to teach us how to do it better. Um, that's where I would turn. And on, on yeah. that point, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I was just going to jump in too. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think once he's done with that course, that would be a huge help for, for Bitcoiners from a sales perspective. But I would just encourage everyone is – you know, you're going to have to use a little bit of your personal relationship with the person you're working on or you're talking to. Like you're, you're going to know kind of where they're coming from a little bit just from that relationship that you have. But I would just suggest keep it brief. I mean, really, that that's goal one. Keep it brief. Touch on the points that, you know, appeal to them, but then drive them to this this course um, just because then it's going to feel like they're not drinking from a fire hose or they won't feel overwhelmed or they won't feel like someone is scamming them or, or giving them the ideological podium and, and they start to roll their eyes, keep it, keep it very simple and brief and then direct them to go there and then tell them when you're done, it's only going to take an hour. I think it's key to mention that so they don't feel like they have a 15, 30 hour project ahead of them. Um, say, Hey, listen, within an hour, come back to me and I can help fill in the gaps after you've gone through this. Uh, that's where I would suggest to start because you're right. I, I've struggled with it too with family and friends where it's when I'm trying to explain to them about Bitcoin, I, I tend to see their eyes glaze over and they trail off once I go deeper down the rabbit hole. So uh, this course is meant to, to take some of that work out of your hands, have a brief combo, direct them to the URL. Boom. And on, on that point directly on sort of taking pressure off us to do the orange pilling, or I guess the individual and push it onto Swan. That's a good idea. Like, we know how much CS work or client services work we have with our friends. We, we mentioned Bitcoin three years later, they finally adopt it. Then they buy the top and then they trade it all into Dogecoin and we have to deal with this. Um, push all that support to Swan, right? We hire 90% of all of Bitcoin Twitter, as you guys know. So we have plenty of people waiting to uh, talk your friends off the ledge and help them get to self-custody, set up their DCA, et cetera. Just another thing to add on top of that, like I've thought a lot about how, you know, how people make decisions and 
we have this idea of orange pilling, like I'm going to convince my, my buddy or my family member that Bitcoin is the right thing, that Bitcoin's the way to go. And unfortunately, it, and even if we have all the logical um, arguments pro- properly laid out and we have all the podcasts, all the research done, like people don't make decisions based on logic. People don't make decisions based on like one uh, argument or uh, even you know, single conversation, especially. So having like a trusted source where you can send people to be like, Hey, here's Natalie Brunell giving you a course and laying it all out. Um, you know, it, it just adds this layer, this level of, uh, I guess, officialness <laughs> that people are used to and that people just kind of tend to rely on to make these kinds of decisions. Um, whether, whether we like it or not, it's just we we tend to have this like bias towards like official sources and stuff like that, right? So that's what I like about this. Yeah, and uh, just to add to that, John, it's a really good point you brought up. Is Natalie's the host? But this was a collective effort of pulling in all the research and analysis to to deliver all the content here. So whether it was Stefan Lavera, <clears throat> as we all know and love, um, he was a big help in writing the scripts here. Um, Corey Clipston, Brandon, Brady. I mean, almost everyone at Swan had their hands in this. And then we also have continuing education in the course from uh, the top podcasts in this space as well. So um, talking about leaning on people that we trust to deliver the information because maybe we don't have 100 hours to experiment here or learn. Um, they They can go into this course knowing or trusting that the best minds in the space deliver them the actual information that they're looking for that matters most. Um, and I, I touched on it a little bit, but in unit three, the FUD buster, I think is such a powerful course. Um, of course, investment thesis, where, where is it going? You know, what value will Bitcoin have in the future is great. But I think there's a lot of confusion in the space. I mean, I can name names, Elizabeth Warren, all the different politicians that are trying to spread energy FUD or why taking self-custody is a bad thing, yada, yada, on and on. We bust, we, we FUD bust these one by one in unit three and really give them the actual truth and stop with the, stop with the lies, stop with the misinformation. And so I think, I think it's really, really, really powerful that they understand that we're coming at this from a place of, um, of truth and respect. And, you know, we truly, truly believe in the Bitcoin mission. And I know Corey Clipson wrote that great article, um, the race to avoid the war. And really, that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to orange build the next 10 million Bitcoiners. And I think we have to come at this from this angle first before we overwhelm them with the deep well of knowledge that Bitcoin actually has. I, I just wanted to add that at family dinners in particular, know your place in the family dynamic. I'm the last born. Nobody believes me no matter what I say. And therefore, I just tend to not say anything now. Whereas if you are the firstborn in of five siblings, you're probably going to have a greater impact over your younger siblings. Damn straight, Peter. It's like I tell my siblings, if you come back less educated or not making progress on Bitcoin, I will tell people in a public setting that I do not know who you are, including saying that to other family members that know that we're family. I will tell them, hey, I'm not sure who this person is. I've never 
met them and they'll go, you're stupid. Like we're brothers. And I'll go, I don't understand the reference. I don't know who this person is. I'm sorry. Orange pill, the oldest sibling first. (laughs) There you go. Carrot in the stick, huh, Dom? Yeah, no, it's a tough love, but my bros already know. I've never actually pushed on them like so hard to the point. I just usually clown on them in a loving way. But but they're uh they're getting they're getting there. And and then of course, there's so there's some family relationships that are so entrenched. They may be into Bitcoin holding it, but they're never gonna give you that at the family dinner. They're gonna torch you. Um and so you gotta be aware of that too, you know. Absolutely. By the way, we're going to build out the section on continuing resources. Okay, you did the hour-long course. Here's a list of stuff to keep learning. Um, we're Obviously, we're going to do our best to try and source those. But if anyone has extremely noob-friendly content, I would love to add that to the list. So DM me, DM Nick, uh, DM the Swan handle. That's all fine. But send us the resources. For example, the breed love on uh, Preston Pish from Thanksgiving maybe two years ago, if you guys remember that one. Um, yeah, any, anything like that that you think is bulletproof for beginners, send that our way. That'd be super helpful. Yeah, thanks for mentioning that, Brandon. Yeah, we really we're leaning on the Bitcoin community to help here, not just with the content of things that we suggest within the course. But I mean, really, we're all in the vanguard together. Um, is Swan, you know, we're obviously going to market this through our distribution channels and have a bunch of really exciting things to spread the word. But truthfully, I feel like the Bitcoiners here on this call and on Twitter and, and other communities, I think, are the key here to spreading the word. Um, you have friends and family that trust you. And even if they're partly skeptical, I think it's just a lack of time spent learning. And so um, if we all make it our mission to get a handful of our friends and family through to this this one hour course and actually go through it and provide feedback, et cetera, um, I think that's how we win this. Hey, hey, Nick, is everything that you guys have talked about inside this one hour course? Yep, everything. Yep. Now, and, and I'll say because it's a one hour, we don't necessarily go as deep as we could um, in all this. We're really trying to keep it basic, high level, simple. Um, But to Brandon's point, we have continuing education section after they've gone through the course that goes even deeper into a lot of these topics. Now, with that said, if you see anything that you think we should have gone deeper in or we should include, please DM me or Brandon and we'll make sure to review that and include it. And we, we really are serious about outsourcing additional content from this community. So please don't be shy and, and send it our way. I'm sure you guys already have something like this, but like a QR code or something that takes you directly there. That way you can be mysterious with the family, right? You know what I mean? You can like look left and right and be like, hey, hey, come here real quick. Come here. Look left. Look right. Like there's someone here. Hey, look, don't tell anyone about this. But look, here's a little (laughs) something for you, my friend. You take this and you go and you sit down and you learn. Keep this, please, please. And then you just walk away. That's great. Hey guys, I just, I rarely shill openly, but this is just too, I couldn't not because literally I wrote my book for this very reason. So I just wanted to say if anybody hasn't heard it, heard of it or seen it, I really do hope that you download a free PDF and you might just find that it is perfect for some of the people that you are attempting to orange pill. You know, it, it really 
I just, the niche that I try to fill with my book is there's nothing groundbreaking that any of you don't know in there. It's, I learned from all the best in the space over a few years. And then what I did was distilled everything I know into a format that's super, super easy to read. So like every page doesn't have too many words. There's a lot of bullet points. It's just super clear, super succinct, but I really do cover everything. And um, so, yeah, I just wanted to say that in case anybody hasn't seen it. It fits exactly in line with what you're saying. And I'm super looking forward to seeing the video that you all put out too because that's amazing to have something so succinct and so solid from the sounds of it to share with people that like to learn that way. Everybody likes to learn differently though. So, you know, sometimes a PDF that's in their email and it kind of niggles on their brain like, oh, I know that's there. I should probably look at it. Um, yeah, it might be a great a great help. So, thanks. Okay, uh, listen, thank I you, have a... You. I have a hard stop in four minutes. So let's, uh, if it's cool with everybody here, I would like to maybe get some closing comments, some thoughts uh, as we wrap up here, and then we will wrap up the show. I guess I'll have have one one closing comment I have is uh, just to talk a little further, uh, probably ad nauseum here a little bit, but with regards to the personal relationships you have with everyone, we all know people that have maybe are experiencing some pain in their personal life, whether that's working two jobs or uh, a mother with young kids at home who doesn't want to have to be working so she can stay at home and take care of her kids, or maybe it's just bills are piling up and inflation is crushing people around the holidays, what, whatever that is, you probably know that about them when you're talking to them. And so I would implore you to try and relate the importance of learning about Bitcoin to their personal situation in your brief sales pitch to getting them to go over to that URL. I think personal, emotional, powerful messages like that, that they're, they're when they understand how it can affect their lives is what's going to drive people to actually take the step. And we've made it simple with making it one hour, of course, but we also need a trigger to make sure that they understand why we're actually doing them a favor by recommending that they learn about it. And so I just want to implore everyone whether it's over the holiday or even going into next year, because this is evergreen, this isn't just a holiday push uh, with this mission here, is to think about that when talking to others. And uh, Dom, I loved your suggestion um, of how you're going to pitch it to friends and family over the holiday. So just just keep those ideas going, guys. And like I said, we're all in the vanguard together. So let's win this war. Swan.com slash welcome. Well said, Nick. Yeah, it looks like I'm just checking the course right now. It looks like a couple hundred of you guys already signed up this morning, so that's awesome. Um, yeah, I got nothing to add besides what Nick said, and I would love for you guys to check out the course and give us all the feedback you can. Um, it's just pop in an email, push enter, you're, you're in the course. You can watch all the content immediately, all the bonus stuff. So feedback, welcome, share it, share it far and wide. Thanks, y'all. All right. I want to thank you guys for being here. Very cool. Excited to check this out myself and also share it with friends and fam, although they are, they're, you you know, anyway, um, we will be doing this again tomorrow. One hour, even though it's Thanksgiving day, we'll be here for you guys. You've been listening to cafe Bitcoin, the place for your morning news, preferred hangout for some of the smartest minds in the industry. Also a podcast on Fountain, Spotify, and Apple. If you can't catch the live show on Twitter spaces, you can throw me or Swan a follow to be notified when those drop. I want to thank Swan, Bitcoin, and Marathon, sponsors of this show, my crew, and Peter Sats for Life, Wicked Dombe, producer Jacob, 
and all of the speakers who come on here every single day, taking their personal time to teach you about this bright orange feature that we call Bitcoin. I'm your host, Alex Danzik, work with Swan. Shoot me a DM if you want to know more. We love you guys. Everybody go out there. Have a great day today. Crush it.